All right, the book of Matthew, chapter number 5. Matthew, chapter 5. It is good to be back. I told my wife when I left here and got home last year, I said, you got to go, got to go to Mississippi. And I really got a blessing down here last year. I really did. Fell in love with this place and Brother Kevin. But she didn't get to come. My heat went out. My heat unit went out Thursday. So I left her at home 21 degrees, 21 degrees weather and 110 heater. Amen. <laughs> so they're supposed to put one in the ball. She sure wanted to come. But I'm glad I'm here. Amen. All righty. Matthew chapter number 5. Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to read just three or four verses. I'm going to try to help you this morning. I'm a, I'm a church preacher. Amen. Always been a church preacher. I, I'm not a, one fellow asked us what a, what a count meeting message was. I said, I don't know. I said, all I know, I just preach whatever's on my heart. I, I figure if that don't work, then send me home, amen. But uh, I do love preaching and I love people and churches and I hope I can help you this morning. Matthew chapter number five, and I want to pick up reading. I'll just pick up reading in verse 38 and read the rest of the chapter. Matthew chapter five, verse 38, it said, you have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil. Whoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. Whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh of thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, Turn thou not away. You have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth the rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same. And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so. Be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. I'm interested in verse number 41, but I thought about revival times. We talk about revival, we pray for revival but if really and truly, if we could get a hold of verse 43 and verse 44, it'd probably bring revival. The Bible said in verse 43, you have heard that it said, love thine enemies, or uh, uh, hate thine enemies, and love your neighbor. But he said, but I say unto you, bless them that curse you. Wouldn't it be good instead of, if we just learn to bless people, <laughs> just curse you, well, thank you, appreciate that, amen. And he says, do good to them that hate you. Find somebody don't like you and go mow the yard. <laughs> Wash their car, amen. Wouldn't that be good? Y'all can say amen, you know. Uh, uh, and then I said, it said, and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Pray for them that God will just bless them and real good. And you know, uh, wouldn't that be good? That would bring revival in our hearts and our lives. And we just learned them two verses of Scripture right there. But I'm interested in verse 41. It says, uh, Jesus is talking and he said, whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with them Dwayne. I want to preach on the second mile. Going the second mile. Now, in these verses of Scripture, this is one of them verses that just seem like it just 
pops up, Brother Kevin. Jesus is talking about divorce. He's talking about the law and all other kinds of things. And it just seemed like all of a sudden, verse 41 just pops up and it just seemed like God says, and by the way, <laughs> and just by the way, whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with them twain. And I thought about that verse and that verse of scripture right there is enough and enough to change the course of this world. This verse of scripture will change your home. It'll change your church life. It'll change your work life. This verse, it'll change you as an individual if we could just learn this one verse of scripture and do it. Whosoever shall compel thee to go uh, one mile, just go ahead and go two miles. And I, I thought about this verse just simply means doing more than's required. It just means uh, doing more that's reasonably expected of you. It just simply means going beyond the call of duty. Amen. Most of the time we find ourselves as one milers. Amen. <laughs> uh, but he says in that verse, Whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. I thought about the history of this verse. The history of this verse goes back to the fact that when a Roman a Roman power and a Roman government would come in and overpower a city. They would set up a yoke, a Roman yoke, most of the time around the town well, with everybody together. And they would cause all the Roman men and women and most of the time the leaders to walk under that Roman yoke, signifying that the Romans was now in power and they was under control and you had to be an, uh, obedient to them and several different things. And one of the things that transpired once the Roman took over and once they walked under that yoke, from that point on, if a Roman soldier come along and asked a little Jewish boy to carry a load or do something, by law, he was obligated to do or carry it at least one mile. Uh, he had to carry it. If you know words, somebody come along and he looked at him and said, Hey, boy, here, come here and carry this. Uh, uh, and all the law, he had to carry it at least one mile or face the consequences. They hated that law. They didn't really want to carry that inch, much less a mile. A mile. And but you know, can can you imagine that kind of made people uh, get upset when Jesus said that? And you know what? If you want to get people upset, just ask them to do a little extra. Just ask them to do a little more. Just ask them to give a little more. Amen. You really get upset people say, you know, and I think that they said in the Jewish custom that every little Jew boy would measure a mile from his home, north, east, south, and west, and he'd drive a peg up. And when those Roman soldiers come along and compelled him to carry the mile, my friend, he knowed how far he had to go. And he would come up to that peg and set it down, and my friend said, I don't have to carry it no more. You know what I'm afraid a lot of people have? They got some imaginary pegs in their life how far they're going to go with God. And my friend, and you ain't going to get them no farther than that peg. But you know what Jesus said? He said, pull up the pegs and whosoever shall compel thee to go one mile, just go ahead and go two miles. Amen. Come on now, help me out. Huh? And he talks about in these verses here, my friend, they hated that and they didn't want to do that and they would measure it off and my friend, not go any far. You know, sometimes people do that in tithing. Uh, 
they're going to put it right down to the penny, $17.41. They ain't going to give nine more cents to make it even. <laughs> Some people going to come on Sunday morning, but don't ask them to go to the second mile and come back Sunday night. And sure enough, Brother Kevin, don't ask them to go the second mile and come back on Wednesday night. And Lord have mercy, don't expect them to come every service doing the Bible course. They've got their mind made up how far they're going to go with God. Amen. Now come on, I'm just laying it out. It'll get better in a minute. Amen. But you know what? We've got our mind made up how far we're going to go. You know, I hear people say all the time, well, I read my little chapter. I find that becomes a habit. Well, what happened if you went ahead and read another chapter, maybe another chapter, and went a little farther, done a little more, my friend, for each other? I wonder what would happen if you begin to go for uh, more for each other in your home. Husband and wife begin to go the second mile for each other. Parents begin to go the second mile. Children begin to go the second mile. I'll tell you, turn your home around, and my friend, I'll make it a place of joy. God says in these verses of Scripture, whosoever shall go, I ask you to go a mile, go ahead and go two miles. Well, let me give you three things and I'll be through. I thought about, first of all, going the second mile always leaves a deposit of happiness in the hearts of those that travel it. There's no joy in going a mile. <laughs> There's no joy in doing what you have to do. Amen? Or what's required of you. That's just a, that's just your responsibility. That's just what you have to do. That's no real joy. Hey, I've been traveling. I've been traveling now for 50, 59 years on the road. And I've been traveling. You know, used to you stay in people's houses. You know, you don't do that no more. Uh, my friend, people's got so much stuff going in their home. They don't want the preacher to see that no more. So they, we, they put us in a motel. Amen? But used to, we started out staying in preacher's house. Or people's house. We ate every meal in people's house. Y'all remember that, sister? You remember that? He used to feed the preacher and all that stuff. Yeah, they'd feed us and they'd tell us we're fat and everything else. Well, they the one fed us. But anyway, we used to go to people's houses and stay. And my friend, we'd fellowship. And you know what? And all these years of traveling, Brother Kevin, all these years of traveling, being in people's homes, I've never had this happen. Be sitting there at the supper and get through. And the little wife look at you and say, are you through? Are you through eating? I say, well, yeah, we're through. And she grabbed the plate up and said, thank God. I'm glad y'all got to. Hallelujah. I get to wash the dishes one more time. Huh? No. There's no joy in doing what you have to. I bet you men at work every, every morning when you get up, I bet when that clock goes off, you jump up, grab that clock and kiss it and holler, thank God, get to go to work one more day. Hallelujah. I thought you'd never go off. No, there's no joy in doing what we have to. There's no joy in doing what's required of us. But joy comes when we go the second mile. Amen. I don't have to use illustrations to put this across. But I read a book one time. It told about this famous physician. And he operated in an amphitheater because he was so good. And people would come, other doctors and nurses, would sit in the stands and look at him and watch him. And said they was watching him one day. He got through and he signified he was through and waved his hand. All the other people began to leave. One little surgeon worked his way down and called the old doctor. And he said, doctor, can I ask you a question? He said, you sure can. He said, listen, that surgery you just done, when you get through with that, uh, said uh, one knot uh, that you tie, it said all's required. All the books teach you that. All the science teach you that. But I noticed that, and that, boy, that doctor said, yeah, you're going to ask me why I tied three knots. And he said, yeah, because all's required is one. He said, well, son, that's my sleep knot. 
He said, I'm going to go home tonight in my mind. I'm going to go through all this uh, uh, surgery. He said, when I get to the end and realize uh, I didn't tie one knot, I tied two knots, I tied three knots, uh, and I'm going to go over and go to sleep. Uh, he said, it'll never hurt you to tie a few extra knots in life and go just a little bit farther. It'll bring contentment and joy and peace that nothing else will bring. Oh, the second mile puts a deposit of happiness, puts a deposit of joy in your heart. You ever think about this little Jewish boy? <laughs> He's required to carry the mile. Now listen to me. He's required to carry at least one mile. Can you imagine he's out there, Brother Kevin, he's hoeing corn in the field. He's just a working Roman soldier comes by and says, hey, boy, come here and carry this. He kind of ignores him for a minute. And he says, hey, you got to come here. You're going to face the consequence. He throws his hole down, picks up the load, and here he goes. He just drags along. He don't care. He don't want to carry it anyway. He don't even want to carry it a mile, much less two. And he just drags along. And my friend, listen, and the Roman soldier says something to him. He said, I shut up. It's bad enough I've got to carry a load nobody says they have to talk to you and he walks along and finally he comes up to this little old peg he's got and my friend he lays her down he said that's as far as I gotta go there's my peg there's my mile marker I don't have to go another inch and my friend he leaves goes back down the road my friend he gets down there and picks his hole up he's done days done work he, he breaks that hole over the fence post heads to the house he kicks the dogs and slaps the youngins hollers at his wife you know what she says I know what you've done today you went a mile Come on now. Huh? You know, that's the way we are. That's why we're so sad and so grumpy. All we want to do is just go a mile, just do what we have to, just get by long enough, my friend, that nobody won't say nothing. Can you imagine what would happen if that old boy's out there hoeing corn? Here comes that Roman soldier and says, Hey, boy, come in and carry this. That old boy throws his hole down. He clears the fence, picks it up. Here he goes down through there just to getting it. And my friend, that old Roman soldier, about a guy's job to keep up with him. And my friend, he said, looked at him. He said, Hey, tell me a little bit there about that Roman pirate. He begins to talk. Here's this little peg. He just passes that peg up and just keeps on going. He said, Hey, you done passed your peg. Oh, he said, Don't, don't worry about it. I'll carried into the edge of the city for you. He carries it down the edge of the city, sets it down, sits there and said, I appreciate you letting me carry a load. If you ever come back through, be sure and holler at me. He said, I sure will, son. I've got a different opinion of y'all. And my friend, the little old boy goes back down the road, picks up his hoe, holds about three rows of corn in one, throws her down, heads to the house. My friend, he pats the dogs and hugs the younger, kisses his wife. She says, I don't know what you've done today. You went a mile. You're getting this, you're getting it. <laughs> You know, while it puts a, joy, a little joy in your heart, let's put a little extra spirit in your heart. Whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, my friend, go twain. That's where joy comes. That's why some of them are so sad, even in your church life. You're not willing to go the second mile. You're just doing what you can. You're just doing what you can get by with. Come on now, hear me out, huh? I thought about my friend. I thought about my little wife. I thought about her. Uh, uh, she always, when the boys was home, still, uh, uh, just two of us, we eat out and it's cheaper to eat out and just try to fix all that stuff. And, and so anyway, we, we used to, Kay always fixed supper. And I never will forget, Brother Kay, one time she fixed a good meal. Boys was home then. And she got in there and she labored in there and cooked. And we get in there and sat down. And my friend, we ate the meal. And my friend, when we got through, we just got up. You know how you men do. You just get up and leave her. 
and let her do all that other stuff. We don't do that at home now. We, we take ours to the, to the kitchen, you know. But anyway, uh, she cooked a meal and we got up and went her way. She cleaned the table up whenever and washed all the dishes. And the boys went out in the playroom. There's a play. And Jackie and I come back through the kitchen and she's in there stirring up something like that. And I said, what you doing? She said, I'm making homemade chocolate chip cookies for the boys. I said, don't tell them. They said, I'm going to surprise them. I said, okay. And I headed to the playroom because I know that's where the cookies was coming. And I got in there to play with them boys and we was having a good time. And directly here come my wife. She comes said, close your eyes. And I know y'all don't have fun at home. We have fun at our house. She said, close your eyes. And my friend, listen, them boys started, they stood there with their eyes closed. I stood there with mine. I know what's coming, but I closed them anyway. And I'm standing there like this. And she came in there and got right in front of us. She said, open them. And boy, they said, said chocolate chip cookies. Boy, they grabbed them. We grabbed them. And we began to eat them things. And Kay went on back in the kitchen. I went in there and she had a big smile on her face. And I looked at her brother Kevin. I said, honey, you know what? I said, you cooked a good meal. Labored over that stove. Washed the dishes. Cleaned it up. But I said, that ain't what put that smile on you. That was obligated. But I said, I'll tell you what put that smile when you went a little extra and made them cookies. Something you didn't have to do and cheered them boys. I said, that's what brought that smile. I'm going to tell you, God said, whosoever shall compel thee to go one mile, just go two miles. It'll put a joy and happiness in your heart that nothing else will bring. I'm talking about joy, happiness in your heart. My friend, it'll bring joy. Then I'll say number two, not only will it go, uh, the second mile puts a deposit of happiness in your heart, but going the second mile calls for the best in others. <laughs> Did you know you'll never impress nobody going a mile? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Amen. You'll never impress nobody. They just think, well, that's what they do. That's what they have to do. That's what's obligated to do. But I'm going to tell you, when you touch somebody's life, it's when you go the second mile. When you go, my friend, and do just a little extra, go just a little bit farther. You ever think about David? You ever think about David taking care of his sheep? And my friend, his and his brothers are down there in the battle. And my friend, they're down there facing the giant and everything. And all of a sudden, his daddy calls him and said, David, go down there. Go down there and check on your brother. Now, see how the battle is. Give them their cheeses. That's his mile. That's all he's got to do. He goes down there. And my friend, he gives, he gives them their cheeses. He checks on them. And my friend, about to that time that giant comes out and roars and my friend his brother said get down David get down and David said who is this uncircumcised Philistine he said the father of his armies of God and my friend you know what happened my friend they said get out who have you left him seat with and David said I'll go find him and David didn't have to his mile was check on his brother give him their supplies see how the war's going bring me word back but David said hey I'll go find him and David my friend went down there and they said well you can't find him. You're just a lad. He said, listen, I done whooped a bear. I done whooped a lion. And the same Lord that helped me then will help me now. Well, can't you see old David went down there, put that stone in, headed down toward there. Can't you see his brother and brother Kevin? They're sticking their heads scared. They look up and poor old David. Poor old David. He said, we'll never see him no more. I'll tell you old David down there and swung that thing. Knocked that giant right in the forehead. Fell my friend backwards. Or fell forward. He cut the giant's head held it up. You know what happened? His brethren said, jerk their swords out. Said, give me one of them. And they come out of there and went to war. You know what brought them out? David went the second mile. And it touched the others and caused them to want to go and do something for God. If you go the second mile, it'll touch others. It'll impress others. 
back in the days, back in the back in the early seventies, uh, we pastored them little churches and didn't have nothing. I was pastoring a little church in, in Greenville, Tennessee. I was pastoring a little church and they said they'd pay me uh, so much. And the first five weeks they didn't have enough to pay me. And I know most preachers have left. I just stayed there and didn't have no more sense. Amen. And I just stayed there and preached. And, and my, we went back in, they had Kmart. Some of y'all young people, you don't even know what a Kmart was, but we used to have Kmart. Y'all remember them? Some of y'all people had a Kmart. And we'd go up there. And so I went up there. We went, ate a sandwich, everything. And Friday night was just going to ride up there to Kmart. And I told my wife, I said, now I pulled in, you know, and I made my little speech. I said, we ain't got no money. <laughs> It's just Friday night. We got to do something, so we just get out and go to Kmart. And I said, "Now I got just look, get a few things that you got to have." And I said, "That's it. I don't. We don't have no money." And I looked at my boy, and I said, "Son, we don't have no money, so don't ask for anything." But let me back up just a few days before that. See, we all we all had chores at our house. You teenagers know what that word is? Chores. Amen. We used to have chores at our house. Everybody had to do something. We didn't know nothing about this game stuff, you know. We had chores. We we mowed the yard. We washed the cars. All every day we had something to do, and and and, and so he had chores. I had chores, and Kay had chores. and just had him at that time, and 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 we got in there. And one of mine was to put the dishes up after Kay washed the dishes. You say you didn't have a dishwasher? Yeah, I married one. Amen. I got two now. I married one. We got one under the cabinet. Amen. But but she washed and she'd wash them and put them up. It's my job to come through there and put them up. And I went through the kitchen to do my job. It's done done. I went and told my wife. I said, "You go ahead and put them dishes up." And she said, "No." I said, "Well, I didn't either." I said, "Something going on around here." And when I looked at boy standing in the living room, he's just a grinning from ear to ear. I said, what happened to you? He said, well, I've done all my chores. I felt like working. I just went ahead and put the dishes up. And I said, I went ahead and took the trash out. He said, I just went and done his other stuff. And I said, boy, I appreciate that. Man, we put a big family hug on him. And then a few days later is when we got to Kmart. And I said, now, we ain't got no money. Don't ask for nothing. We walked in. Hadn't been in there five minutes. He said, Daddy, can I have this? He's rolling off my lips. <laughs> Did you not hear my speech? Before I could say it, I thought about what he'd done for me and the extra he'd done. I said, put it in the buggy. And my wife looked and said, I didn't think we have no money. I said, we ain't got none. But he went the second mile for me at the house the other day, and I'm going to go the second mile for him. I couldn't tell him no. You know what? That goodness pulled out of me. He went the second mile, and he pulled something out of me. And I'll tell you, if you'd go the second mile, he would touch the lives of others. If you wives would go the second mile for your husband, you'd be surprised what would happen if your husband would go the second mile for your wives. It'd be amazing what would happen and the turnaround that would take place in your home if you just learned to go the second mile. Go the second mile for your employee. Go the second mile for your pastor. Pastor said we need somebody to go to the airport. Well, every one of you ought to have been running up here and said, I'll take care of that. I felt like saying it myself. If you don't have nobody, I'll go get him. But you know what? That second mile pulls the best in others. I thought about this. You know what? My my son, my son. I've got a younger son, and he's uh, he's uh, thirty nine. And uh, here back in the winter, it's cold and snow on the ground. And him and his wife went over to Kroger's, and, and there was an old. Uh, I, I don't want you to call him a bum, but that's the only word I can come up with. Laying over at the bank, bank was closed, and he was laying up under the, the, the porch of the bank, laying on the concrete, and laying there, and, and, and it was cold. And, and my boy looked over, and he told his wife, said, pull over there a minute. 
my boy jumped out and pulled over there, and he run over there. She said, what are you doing? He said, I'm going to check on this guy. And he went over and he said, sir, are you okay? He said, yeah, I'm okay. He said, I'm just trying to get out of the weather. Uh, he said, I'm homeless. He said, no, I don't know where to go. And my boy looked at him. He said, have you had anything to eat? He said, no, I had nothing to eat. He said, well, you stay right here. I'll be right back. And he went down at Bojangles and got some good hot uh, ham biscuits and had a big cup of coffee and took my cup there and gave it to that man. And, 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 and that guy said, I, I can't pay you. He said, no charge. He said, you just teed him and get warm. And he got back in the car and he went up the road and, 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 and in the Kroger's. And my wife looked at him and she said, why, why in the world did you do that? He said, because my daddy would have done that if he was here. I've seen him do it too many times. You know what? Just go on the second mile. If nothing else put an impression on my boy and so if you go the second mile it could change your teenagers it could change your home if you just go the second mile you'd be surprised how much you would pull out of others that you're involved with touches the people's life touches them and my friend makes an impression on them that nothing else will bring out I'm talking about going the second mile going the second mile will always pull the best out of others then let me give you a third thought not only going the second mile puts a deposit of happiness in your heart. And going the second mile lightens, uh, my friend, and, and touches others. But going the second mile lightens life's burdens. I don't know about you, we've got enough burdens going on anyway. We've got enough burdens that we don't even want and don't expect. They just show up. Life's got a lot of burdens and hardship. If you think you're going to have a honeymoon from now on, you forget it. You may be dating, you may, my friend, fall in love with your little old honey, but I'm going to tell you what, you think everything's wonderful, but I tell you, when you get married, it all changes. Things are going to happen that you didn't see. Circumstances get involved. Life carries burdens. I carry burdens. I've been at it for 60 years, and I still carry burdens and hardships, and I worry. I worry over preachers. My wife said, you ought to worry so much over preachers. I said, I can't help it. God put that in my heart. And I worry over preachers. And I worry over churches. And I worry over what's going on in this world. And you know what? Burdens just come. But you know what? When you go the second mile, it lightens life's burdens. You ever think about Joseph and his brethren? Joseph's brothers, my friend, they sold him. They, 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 they put him in a pit, sold him. To, to gypsies, he ended up in prison and I fit in Potter's house and all the things that Joseph went through. And then one day he stands before his brother Joseph. He stands before them. They don't recognize him, but he recognizes them. And you know what the Bible said? They was nervous. He said, "Hey, I'm Joseph, your brother." But he said, "Don't worry about it. <laughs> I forgive you." And he fell on them and kissed them. You know what? There's, there's a lot of burdens could be lifted if some folks just learn the spirit of forgiveness. You'd be surprised how much how your home would change if you just learned to forgive. I go to some churches, my friend, and hey, listen, I, I, my daddy used to pastor church, had three rows of pews. This crowd over here was against that crowd. That crowd was against that crowd, and if you wasn't against neither crowd, you sat in the middle. That's just the way it was. Try to have revival. You couldn't have revival because this crowd hated that crowd. And if this crowd went to all of this, they'd try to get more over here than they had over there. It was a mess. And all it would have took was just the spirit of forgiveness. And it would change the light and burdens. Amen. Sometimes we hold things against each other. We hold things. I, I got a lady right now I'm dealing with, a young lady. And you know what? She's bitter toward her parents. She's better toward her parents. And I said, I said, why are you better toward your parents? She said, well, they didn't let me have what I wanted. And they held curfews over me and all this stuff. And I looked at her and I said, listen. I said, if it wasn't for your mama, you wouldn't be here. 
I said, if it wasn't for your mom and daddy, when you couldn't feed yourself, you couldn't clothe yourself, you couldn't bathe yourself, you'd have laid back in the bed and died. I said, your mama birthed in this world. Your daddy worked and provided. And they clothed you and fed you. And my friend, you want to act like, my friend, you're going to have unforgiveness because they didn't let you have this and they didn't let you do that. I said, if you'll learn to forgive them, it'll change your whole world and life and life's burdens. Amen. You say, what are you talking about, preacher? I thought about this. I thought about my, my wife one time back in the 80s, I guess it was, a long time ago. Uh, I was going to a meeting. I'd been, I'd been busy, and I was, I was preaching 40-something meetings a year and, and, and trying to uh, keep things going at home, trying to stay on the road. And, and I'll never forget, I headed over to a meeting. I got in about 3 or 4 o'clock that morning on Saturday morning, and I had to pull out that evening. And, and, and she said, boy, this is one week. One week I just wish you didn't have to go. Said you've been gone so much, and this is just one week. And she she wasn't better, she wasn't fussing. She just, you know, I've just been gone so much. And she said, "This is just one week. I wish you don't have to go." I said, "Well, I've got to go." And she said, "I know that." And you go preach. And I said, "She, that's what I'm talking about." She said, "I just, this is one week. I just, you know, she was just down. Don't accuse nobody. Don't fuss at nobody for getting down. We all get down." And she just got down. And so I got in the van to pull out. She's standing in the yard crying. My boy's standing beside her. They're crying. Mama cries. They cry. She's a crying. They're crying. I'm getting in the van trying to pull. I'm trying to be tough, you know. And when I pulled out of there and headed down the road driveway, I started crying. And boy, I got to pray. I said, God, I said, I don't know what's going to take, but cheer Mama up. Somehow the world, God, I just cheer her up. And I drove. We didn't have cell phones back then. I drove eight hours down to the coast. Got in there. Got in the motel. My friend unloaded everything I called home let her know I was there and I called home and she said I, I, when I, she answered she said hello I said well, well you feel better she said sound better she said I am better I said well tell me about it she said you know that church you're preaching at this week Bible Baptist Church I said yes sir. she said about an hour after you left she said there's a door bell wrong I said I went to the door and said a man standing there with a bouquet of flowers and said is this Miss Gutson she said yes I said these are for you and he handed them flowers and said on them flowers was a little note I said thank you for sharing your husband with us this week a Bible Baptist Church she said they didn't have to think of me they didn't have to do that but they went the second mile and let me know I was part of their ministry. And she chaired every once a while back. We was cleaning some stuff out. She ran across that note. She said, do you remember that? I said, I do. We done a little kissy kissy, a little shouting, shouting in the bedroom. I thought, man, I remember that. All it took was one little bouquet of fire and one little note. And her spirits, that burden of discouragement was lifted. Sometimes just a car, just a handshake, just a phone call. That's all it takes. I got a, had a widow woman in our church. I probably told you this last time. Had a widow woman in our church, and she come, and she said, Preacher, I don't have no titles. I can't sing. I don't have no ability to teach. And I want to do something. I said, I don't really have no titles. And for some reason, I looked at her, and I said, you ever thought about a card ministry? She said, what's that? I said, you just find somebody sick. You find somebody discouraged. find somebody going through a hard time or whatever. And you just send them a car. Just mail them a car of encouragement. And she said, never thought about that. But boy, it hit her like a ton of rain. 
She went down and bought her a bunch of cards and got her some stamps. And my friend, she, she began to send cards to people that's sick, in the hospital, or just sick, uh, having problems and troubles. She'd send them a card. And, I, and many times I'd hear at the church, she'd come by and she'd say, Sister, thank you for the card. I, I, you don't know what it meant to me to get that card. And I never will forget it about a year later. I, I, I was written down, discouraged. A lot of things was going on in the ministry. I was having some problems and everything, health problems and, and everything that's going through. I just found out about that time I'd had Parkinson's and, and I tell you, I just got down, Brother Kevin, and, and I, I, went, I went to the post office and picked up the mail and I looked up there and there was a card in the mail and I opened it up and it said, Preacher, I know she was a little bit down Sunday and said, I thought I'd just send you a little card and encourage you. I shouted in the post office. I, I scared them to death. I did. And I, I said, Woo, I got a card. I got one this time. That burden was lifted. That light somebody else carried. Can you imagine what happened if you just go the second mile and touch somebody else's life and lift that burden? Lift that burden. You know, some people's home, some people's homes is just a burden. Uh, wives against the husband, husband, they're fussing all the time. Kids are the fussing, they're a fussing, everybody's a fussing. Come on now. If you're like that, say amen. No, you won't do that anyway. But you know what? Uh, in a lot of homes, it's chaos. You really know, you know that? And they're working, they're doing what they can, they're trying to keep up the washing, they're trying to keep up with this, trying to get everything going, and the husband's trying to work and keep everything going, and the kids are doing this, and it's just a hustle and a bustle, you know, and it's just, it's a burden, home's a burden. I, I read this in the illustration one time, it said about this guy, his wife was washing dishes, and it said he, he got his shirt, put his shirt on and had a button on, and it said he took the shirt off one there and said, honey, could you sew this button on for me, I was wanting to wear this to work and said she dried her hands and said, give it here. Why didn't you tell me when it got loose? <laughs> she went there and sold it on, come in there and pitched it at him. She said, here, next time tell me when it gets loose or why something else. And he went out the door thinking, what am I hurt for? At the end of the week, she came around and said, honey, said, I'm running a little short on money this week because things just come up. Could you give me a little extra $5? And he said, what do you do with all your money? You know what their home is? It's a burden. That's what's turning around. Suppose she's washing dishes. Here he comes. She said, honey, I got a button on my shirt. Do you mind putting this on for her? And she drives her hand and said, honey, give it to me. I just love sewing the buttons on for you. She goes on and sews that button. comes back and holds it up. He slips his arm in it and pulls it around. She butts it up and squeezes it real tight and says, I love you. He goes out the door thinking, man, I've married the best woman in the world. At the end of the week, comes around. She says, honey, I'm running a little short on money. I, 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 things just come up. Hey, can I have a little extra $5? And he pulls his billfold out and hands her $10 or $20. dollars said, here, baby, I don't know how you stretch the money so far. You know what happened? Just going the second mile turned a little hell on earth to heaven on earth in their home. You see what I'm talking about? Just going the second mile can change and lighten a lot of burdens that goes on in our hearts and our lives. I remember, I remember reading one time about a a little boy, you've seen these kids. You may have been one of them kids that just, just stands back, you know. You have a hard time just walking. Y'all don't believe this. I have a hard time with walking in the crowd. That's why I get here early, so I get here and everybody else got to walk in. I, I can't help it. I got PTSD and everything from the army. And I just have a lot of problems with that stuff. But, you know, this, I read about this little boy that had a hard time and had no friends. And Valentine's Day come. You know how it is, Valentine's back in the days. I don't know if they do that anymore, but everybody get over. Used to write them little cards and out, you know. I love you. We didn't even know what that was, but we wrote it there, man. And we gave everybody a Valentine's, you know. 
and said, said little Johnny, his mama told him, said, uh, kind of ignored it. And got up to the last day before Valentine's to go to school. And she, John said, Mama, we didn't get no Valentine cards. And kept pushing. They finally went and got them, signed them, filled them all up, put them in a little sack. He headed off to school the next day. And said she thought, well, he gets out of there. All the kids is going to get Valentine's. And he don't socialize nobody. He probably won't get none. She said, I'll make some of his favorite cookies and have it ready in milk. When he gets home, I'll get his mind off of it. Sure enough, after school, said she looked up. All the kids come down there and had all kinds of Valentine's and had. Looked at little Johnny, said he didn't have nothing. He just come down there kicking along. As he come up the sidewalk, she heard him say, "Not a one, not a one." And her mama said, "Come on in, Johnny. I got you some cookies." And got there and got the cookies, and they sitting there talking if they and drinking. She said, "Wait a minute, Johnny." Said, "You come up the driveway." Said, "You were saying not a one, not a one. What'd you mean?" He said, "Mama, I didn't miss a one. Everybody got a Valentine. I made sure." You know how he overcome his? He made sure everybody else's took it. Amen. <laughs> he lightened that burden in his own heart by going the second mile and my friend helping and my friend working and making sure everybody else, my friend, went the second mile. Paul went the second mile and wrote a letter for Onesimus and lifted that burden. Amen. He went down there and boy, he said, I don't know what to do. He said, but I got this letter. <laughs> and Paul wrote that letter and lifted that burden. You say, what are you saying, Perch? I'm saying, whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twice. It puts joy in your heart. It touches others. It lightens life's burdens. It lightens life's burdens. I don't know how y'all are. I'm not just bragging on myself, but I'm, I, I don't know if your kids are like this. <laughs> if you call on your kids for help, it may be two or three days before they show up. But if they call on me for help, I'm supposed to show up there in five minutes. You know, some of you older people understand that. Amen. They think we got nothing else to do. And their pipe starts leaking, I'm supposed to be over. And I go. <laughs> Anything happens, I go. I try to help them and try to be there. And other people have problems. I, I try to go help them. And somebody said, they said, said, what is your papa? That's what they call me. They said, what is your papa always trying to help people? She said, that's just papa. That's just papa. But you know what? I have joy in my heart. And how many people's lives you've touched just trying to help them. Well, let me close. Going second mile puts a deposit of happiness in your heart. Going to second mile calls for the best in others. Going to second mile lightens life's burdens. Let me give you this. God went to second mile. God created a beautiful world. Man messed it up. If you allow me, I'll quote it like this. For God, so loved the world that he went the second mile and sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If God went the second mile for us, should not we be willing to go the second mile for him? Amen. Should not we be willing to go the second mile and be, be the Christian we ought to be? And be the husband or be the wife or be the parent or be the kids or be the preacher or the deacon or whatever that we ought to be. Should not we be willing to go the second mile if God went the second mile for us? Amen. Just think about it. If he hadn't went the second mile, we'd still have been lost. Still wouldn't have had no hope. But God went the second mile that each one of us might have eternal life. Can you imagine what would happen? Can you imagine what would happen this morning? If you become a second mile Christian,
I don't have to text people. I don't have to. I'm not required to. But I do. That's just me. 74-year-old, soon be 75. Old people's not supposed to do that, but I do it. I just text people, text preachers. And I don't know how many times, Brother Kevin, I've texted somebody. And they'll text me back, Brother Mike, thank you. I, I felt like quitting. Thank you for the text. Thank you for reminding me that somebody cares. And I'll tell you what, you, you, you're talking about joy, happiness. Sometimes it takes me an hour, Brother Kevin. And sometimes I just do it on, on the spur of the moment. I just get up sometime and Holy Ghost will say, you know, text Brother Kevin. I just text him. And I got a list, you know, and it takes me about an hour to go through that every day. Send out text, you know, how many times I've got a text. Brother Charles, Brother Richard Kleiner that's coming tomorrow night. He got discouraged, defeated. I just, I just met him a couple of times. I got up one morning, Holy Ghost said, text Brother, text him. I texted him. He answered it back. And I could tell, I could tell just the words he put him down. So on a Sunday morning, I picked up the phone and I called him. On a Sunday morning before he preached, I said, Brother Richard, he said, Brother Mike. He said, Hey, Brother Mike. I said, God called me, told me to call and pray for you. Prayed for him on the phone. Time I got through, here's a shout. <laughs> Ready to go again. You say, What happened? You just go to second. Just go beyond the call of duty. Just do a little bit more than reasonably expected. When you have dinners, you know what you do? You go a little more and cook a little extra. Amen? Don't just bring a. You ever seen these people? It, it, especially young folks. I'm not against you, young folks. But you know, when, when, when we grew up, sisters like the shouting sisters over here, they cooked everything they had. They brought in boxes. This young generation now, they bring one little bowl of corn. Think everybody's going to eat out of that. Come on now. I've seen them. I passed them. Amen. They'll come in one Coke. Like everybody in the house is going to drink out of that one Coke. You know, we always just brought everything we had. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, you've got to go the second mile and do a little extra, do a little something special. Do a little something. Whosoever shall compare. Can you imagine what would turn around in your home? Can you imagine what turn around in, in your in your work life? If you've got problems at work and you hate problems, tough problems, hard work, go the second mile. See if it don't change the atmosphere. Change the atmosphere in your church when you go the second mile. Amen. I'm through, Brother Kevin.